This podcast was brought to you by mozo.com.au. Hello, dear listener. It's a pleasure to have you join us once again for this week's episode of the Finance Burrito Podcast with me, Tom Watson, and my wonderful colleague, Liv G. We what both up? happen to be journalists <laughs> at our financial comparison website, mozo.com.au, which means that we're, uh, we're pretty well placed to hurl some financial mm. news headlines your way today. But before we do that, Liv, um, we're, we're almost coming up to our three-month uh, mark of, well, it's actually over that, of forced hibernation. So as oh, we emerge yes. from our restrictive lockdown, what's, uh, what's on top of your bucket list? Yeah, I am just ready to jump into the sea in a joyful way, oh, not yeah. in the middle of the ocean. Just ready to, yeah, get some salt water on me. Visit visit all the family and friends that sort of live up and down the coasts as well, which is like really convenient. So I'm just like, see, family, see, family. And that's going to be, yeah, I guess my summer, I reckon. But um, what about you? Will you come for a swim, Tom? Uh, yeah, definitely. Actually, my the hopes and dreams are very much uh, similar to that. Um, definitely jumping into the ocean over summer. But I just want to get back to the pub. I miss it, man. I just want to yeah, a beer in a beer garden, a beer in somewhere that's not my balcony. As nice as yeah, that the ambiance so. isn't quite the same. I need more twinkly lights. I have a finite amount of twinkly lights, and I need I need professionally <laughs> lit lights. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, but we've got a lot to chat about today that isn't beer related, unfortunately, oh. but still very fascinating. So, shall we jump into the finance news? Let's get going. Here are the hot topics in Moneyland. So there's only one place to start this week because I think this might be like one of the biggest financial stories of the year. And we're talking about the Pandora Papers. So mm-hmm. I, as I said, it's it's a massive story and there's no way that we can do it justice in five yeah. or ten minutes. I feel like it's on <laughs> like the front page of every single uh, news website, finance related or not. There's just like a million explainers. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's, it's everywhere. So this is going to be a little bit of a condensed uh, run through of things. And then I would totally recommend that you go away and read or listen you know, all about it uh, for yourself. So let's get into it. What are yes. the Panama... Oh, sorry, I was, I've already screwed up. I've already, I've already <laughs> talked about a former league. So Look, let me try it's that all again. Related. <laughs> what are the Pandora Papers? Um, that is the name that's been given to nearly 12 million leaked documents, which uh, shed light on the extensive network of offshore accounts and shell companies and trusts which are uh, operated in uh, various tax havens throughout the world, uh, mm-hmm. mostly lovely little islands that people would probably like to visit. Um, these are basically used by super wealthy individuals as well as corporations to avoid tax and to hide their money away from prying eyes. And uh, as I alluded to before, you may uh, you may remember similarly named leaks from recent years, including the Panama Papers and the Paradise Papers. So they just lots can't of peas. get a 
get away from the alliteration. Hey? Oh yeah, there was also uh, there was it. also a smaller one called the Lux Leaks uh, after Luxembourg, <laughs> which I quite like. They but can't help it. Yeah, yeah, it's lovely. It. Anyway, so the uh, details. Though. Yeah, yeah, the details. The, the uh, Pandora Papers they were leaked to um, the International Consortium of Investigative Journalists, uh, which is probably a place that you want to be leaking something to, and mm. this kind of all kicked off in in twenty twenty, and then over the you know, previous year and a half or however long it's been, the uh, ICIJ coordinated with about 600 journalists from various outlets across the world to basically sift through this massive trove of documents to identify a lot of uh, high-profile people um, who are involved. So among the people mentioned in this particular leak are 35 current or former heads of state, uh, 130 billionaires, which you know that seems like a lot of billionaires i didn't realize there was yeah. quite that many in the world how many are there it's all of them <laughs> yeah it's every single one um and then also various arms dealers international criminals pop stars and even a couple Ooh. of football players so you know the uh, the usual lot and um there's a there's a few famous names in there, um, and you know we talked about this before the show, but you can go and uh, and have a look at them for yourselves because, uh, as you said, Liv, this is everywhere. Yeah. Um, and it's probably important to say here, to say here that um, making use of tax havens and offshore accounts isn't necessarily illegal. Um, a podcast I listened to yesterday made a really good point that there's a legal difference between tax avoidance and tax evasion so mm, which yeah. sounds like there isn't you're just like they seem like synonyms but i guess not one is legal <laughs> although morally yep. questionable and the other is illegal and morally yeah. questionable <laughs> just if, degrees isn't yeah. it okay so according to the guardian offshore tax havens are estimated to cost global taxpayers around 420 billion dollars a year which is a lot so the big question that this has raised and the previous leaks raised is whether this whole shadow setup should be made illegal so should the super wealthy essentially be able to limit their tax contributions because they're rich um because they have access to lawyers and accountants mm. that the rest of us don't or can't afford to pay um and you know if if you expect regular old folk like you know you and me to pay our fair share of tax and why shouldn't they i think that's the kind mm. of the crux of the uh, the questions being asked um I found we this like in- roads and, and various things that tax pays for. Exactly. Love that stuff. <laughs> Hospitals are good. Schools are good. Yeah. Well, at least. Into it. We think so. So um, <laughs> what do the old, uh, the old tax men actually have to say about this? So in an interview with the ABC, the ATO's Deputy Commissioner, Will Day, said that it's important to remember that these offshore shenanigans aren't necessarily illegal and he didn't use the word shenanigans by the way that's that's not a very ato <laughs> type word um it's a good word though but he did have some pretty strong remarks about fairness so this is what mr day said uh to the abc for those who consider these sorts of arrangements they're not clever or sexy or harmless they victimize the entire australian society the victims when people don't pay taxes are everyday australians the millions of taxpayers who do the right thing who declare their income, pay their employees, and have fair competition against other businesses. Don't facilitate lying, 
cheating, and stealing from other Australians. Ooh, strong quote. Mic drop. That's a good one. Yeah. So yeah, um, put yeah. that in bold. That's I'll right. Like it. So, what does this uh, all mean for you? Well, unless you have a uh, a couple of offshore accounts in Jersey or the uh, the British Virgin Islands, it. Uh, oh no, I've got to go. I've got to figure something oh, out. All right, oh, Tom. All right. See you later. <laughs> no, so no. It, you know, it practically probably doesn't mean a lot to you. Um, but I think it it serves a reminder that there really mm. isn't a level playing field out there at present. So I'd suggest that if you're an honest taxpayer, you might feel pretty hard done by that. I know uh, after, you know, researching and listening to a couple of podcasts yesterday about this, I definitely um, was feeling a little bit frustrated myself. So there you go. Um, but if you are interested mm. in learning more about the uh, the Pandora Papers, um, I totally recommend checking out the Guardian's Today in Focus podcast, which already has a couple of episodes focusing on the issue. And um, mm. there's also um, an ABC Four Corners episode about this, if, uh, if TV is more of your jam. So go and check that out. Yeah, a story in every form of multimedia journalism. That's They're right. just ticking all the boxes. Um, well, that was a huge news piece, and we could dedicate an entire episode to it, but we'll, we'll leave it to Four Corners and The Guardian for now. Oh, yeah. Maybe we'll come back to it. Um, I thought we should uh, continue with some perceived injustice. Um, so I'm moving on to our next piece, which is uh, a little bit further away from the uh, sunny Cayman Islands and uh, actually into childcare centres of Australia, mm. so, you know, less of a holiday vibe. And um, it's potentially not great news and also – walks that kind of fine line between like legality and and what sort of feels fair and and how you manage that mm. less so than the first story um but anyway i thought it might be interesting to ask i don't know tom have you ever been subject to a debt collection from the government i don't think i have i've had mates who got caught up in that whole um robo debt saga though. yeah so i i did as well a few years back and it was in relation to like the I forget what it's called now, but it was called Youth Allowance when you are studying and I think maybe it's called Ab, Ab Study now. I can't remember. Anyway, um, it ended up being an error on their end and I sort of like went, like I sort of, I, I said, no, thank you. I don't want to pay that. I, I submitted all the correct paperwork. We went back and forth for months and it was like sort of a two and a half, three thousand dollar debt that it accumulated over years. And I'm like, how did, how did this happen for yeah. so long? And not insignificant. No, and it would have, I think it was like a $20 difference a fortnight that it accumulated over a very long time. And it's just like, oh, my goodness, something like that. Um, so I'm really glad I questioned it because it was one of those ones that was just like inaccurate. And so I was really, yeah, and I've seen people who haven't and have paid it and then gone when the, all of the stuff I think this year came out about the robo debt being recalled because it was inaccurate and going like, oh, shit, I shouldn't have paid that. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of interesting, a bit of per personal insight, not quite the same as um, the news of today, which is um, that the federal government is being criticised by the opposition, by Labor, for um, chasing up uh, just over $35 million in childcare subsidy debts that's owed by around 48,000 families across the country, so spread across all those families. And if um, you don't know what the childcare subsidy is, it's um, essentially a payment offered by the government to help uh, families who are eligible for this kind of uh, support pay for childcare costs, which are very expensive. Mm, very um, expensive. 
I, yeah, I know a friend who had a baby in the last couple of years and when she was looking at going back to work as a, on a sort of part-time thing, she was like, it's actually not like I will be losing money. I actually won't be making any money for the amount Which I is crazy, to pay. Isn't it? Yeah, just nuts. Um, but one of the metrics, even with subsidies and stuff, one of the metrics um, used to determine how much a family will get from this kind of subsidy is, of course, their income, mm. which is used for most things. Um, and this is only determined after tax time which is where it gets kind of complicated with um overpayments so basically if a family's income a family or a household whatever you want to call it all the people contributing money to the household um has if it's gone up over a financial year it's possible that the family may have received more of a subsidy that they were entitled to might have like pushed them over a a certain right so it's like playing like catch back catch up (laughs) yeah and if that's the case, um, Service Australia want that overpayment back. Okay. Um, and this particular case is related to overpayments from the 2019-2020 financial year. And I feel like there's always like a huge lag with these things because you know, like it, it takes it takes so long to process and it, people like the people it involves have been talking about it for ages, but when it comes out in the media, it's often a long time later. Mm. Um, but Service Australia says this is kind of how it works as – yeah, incomes over a financial year can only be reassessed um, at tax time unless people have like proactively gone, oh, hey, I'm earning more. Oh, hey, I'm earning less. And um, Service Australia, who is Centrelink, they're the, they're the same thing. I don't really know why. They, I think because they're broader than Centrelink, that's why they call that. Um, they also send numerous reminders. They've said they send numerous remi- reminders to people about their financial obligations and about how they have to report um, their income and debt repayments. So there's all that. They're sort of like, no, nah, we're entitled to. And so it's sort of like, hey, what's the issue? This is all like legal and above mm. board kind of thing. Um, do you remember a little something called JobKeeper? That, yes, uh, I do remember JobKeeper. Yeah. Keeper. yeah. It uh, doesn't feel like a long time ago when it was announced, but um, in case you've forgotten in the COVID blurks, I just feel like there's been so many schemes and who's it's and what's it's over the last 18 months. It's been mad. Definitely. Um, it was <laughs> the original initiative that sort of propped up businesses who had experienced a reduced income as a result of the pandemic. Yep. And it paid like a portion of employees' income to keep them on the books, basically, but only if a business could prove that they had seen a certain income reduction over the compared to the previous year's um, income. And I think it was like a 30% reduction or something like that. Um, basically, Labor, the opposition, uh, reckons it's pretty damn rich that the government is chasing $35 million worth of overpayments made to parents um, in relation to the childcare subsidy when they've decided to let around $13 billion, billion in overpaid JobKeeper payments just kind of slide. They're just sort of not worrying about that. And um, uh, apparently that's 37 times the uh, the figure of the wow. uh, childcare debts, which is quite large. Mm. Um, we've got a fun quote here from the Shadow Minister for Early Childhood Education, Amanda Rishworth, I want to say. Um, she was saying that it is straight up hypocritical and uh, that calling on the government to justify why it's pursuing families uh, while letting big business po- pocket taxpayers money they didn't need, like they never needed it in the first place. And I think that's, yeah, that's where sort of the dilemma lies. Some political jousting, I think, is a little bit necessary here. I'm glad to call it a fair joust. Um, that, you know, 
you hear some, they've heard so many numerous stories of like big businesses making bank during the pandemic mm. while parents have been juggling all that kind of kid madness and work at home over the last year. And I'm not an expert in, you know, solving these problems. <laughs> I do not work for Services Australia, but I'm like, there's got to be a better way to monitor and management, manage these government support payment levels so families sort of aren't slapped with a big bill they weren't expecting. Like, proactively change it as opposed to you know having to chase up and if someone doesn't reply then then they get sent a bill i don't know yeah i don't know how so to fix it, it. it it's not necessarily <laughs> that these people deserve to keep the money it would just be better that it was a more efficient system which meant that they wouldn't yeah. be slugged you know potentially thousands of dollars yeah. later down and the track when they're not expecting it which does seem you pretty maybe you wouldn't have noticed, you know, $4 less towards something in a week or, or $20 or whatever it is. But when that comes a year later and it's it's accumulated over two years and it's potentially hundreds or thousands, that makes a difference it for, does. you know, that month's budget. Um, so what does it mean for you out there listening? Basically, if you claim the childcare subsidy and your income changes, um, make sure you contact Services Australia, aka Centrelink, immediately with the new information so you're not being overpaid or underpaid as well because you don't hear stories about them chasing people who've been underpaid so much i mean <laughs> yes. i imagine it happens but it goes both ways so yeah that's pretty much food for thought for the rest of us who aren't um p- parents relying on some subsidies but you know babies they're a lot of work so speaking of food for thought for thought, I should say. Uh, this this could actually be the most devastating piece of news um, out of all the stories we covered today. Um, and that's because there's an issue that's uh, that's close to my heart, which is the only important thing, of, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's coffee. Um, Liv, I, I don't want to alarm you, but we're, uh, we're currently experiencing a global coffee shortage, which could mean that the, uh, ah! the price of your latte is about to rise sadly no. i know and i say that sitting here with my um my takeaway coffee right next to me um <laughs> so this is a story from the uh from the abc which they published last week which references a new data released by ibis world who a uh they are market researchers um mm-hmm. and ibis world revealed that uh, the world price of coffee has surged by 21 percent this year to 3.65 dollars a kilogram which is apparently the largest price increase since 2014 so what is going on well uh sadly i found out that it's uh it's not some like global super villain um <laughs> stashing away our, our precious beans uh, dedicated to caffeine yeah just that's the issue um it's that pesky old issue that just keeps coming up uh climate change um yeah the biggie yeah. Of course, who who's surprised by that? So uh, apparently, um, severe drought coupled with severe frost, which sounds like a pretty bad combination, uh, <laughs> has destroyed about twenty percent of Brazil's coffee crop. And um, Ooh, FYI, that's, that's pretty devastating because Brazil is the world's largest coffee producer, accounting for about fifty percent of the world's supply. So a big hit. And then yeah. add that. Uh, add to that. The, uh, the ongoing global supply chain issues, which are currently happening, which we mm. uh, covered a previous, uh, on a previous episode a couple of weeks back. Um, and you've got, a, you've got a recipes for shortages and higher prices, which is not great. The, uh, the ABC, they spoke to a coffee importer from Melbourne named Marcelo Brussi, who said that Australia can expect coffee shortages as soon as November. 
And these could uh, they could last up to three years. Three years. Oh. And it sort of wants a price in terms of like for, for cafes and consumers even. I feel like once you change a price on something that's like a staple like that, you're like, okay, that's just how much that costs now. Yeah, exactly. Like, that's not going it's down never after going three back years. Down. Totally. Yeah. So um, <laughs> as you said, coffee lovers should definitely expect price rises from uh, cafes who will, you know, probably or certainly need to pass on at least some of that extra cost, uh, which as uh, as many are saying, uh, couldn't have come at a worse time for businesses, yeah, uh, particularly in Melbourne <laughs> and Sydney and I guess Canberra who are, you know, just about to come um out of full lockdown and begin operating a little bit more as uh, as as normal so not great for them and i was thinking that you know we just can't catch a break can we because just as avro prices go down coffee's gonna go up you know oh, it's just the two key breakfast. ingredients of my life yeah breakfast is just constantly in flux it is next will be the, the price of muffins or i don't know yeah. <laughs> Global muffin shortage. So yeah. uh what does this mean for you? Uh well I don't want to encourage any uh any toilet paper like hoarding, but it could be yeah. time to start stockpiling if uh coffee is a big part of your life. Although I guess if you uh if you take it seriously, you're you you know, you you're probably gonna like your beans fresh so stockpiling mm. might not be a possibility there but uh as someone who loves his daily takeaway coffee uh i say come at me price rises i'm ready for you i will cut so many other things out of my budget and my <laughs> life to make sure i can keep drinking coffee so there you go how about I you get a, yeah i gotta reorganize this i'm glad to hear you're still dedicated to the beans and i i think i yeah i will also continue to uh fork out cash for the occasional caffeine splash because mm. it's sort of like for me it's more of a treat it's not every day it's like the days of the week where i'm feeling a bit blur and i'm like i need, need it I've, yeah. I've earned it and i want it <laughs> and then other days i have a little bit of instant coffee because i'm a trash bag but i love it <laughs> i don't even mind You'd i like it all safe then. yeah yeah but i mean it's probably like oh, i say some days probably like four or five out of seven so that's quite a few days <laughs> basically <laughs> I every need day. a yeah. I need a treat on a lot of days. Um, anyway, we'll deal with it when it comes. Um, but I thought with all of this, you know, all of this semi or a lot of bad news going on, I thought we should end on something a bit more positive and yeah. a little bit exciting, hey? And um, I feel like this particular idea has been thrown around for a while now. And it's actually already happened in the States, mm. um, in some of the States. But Australia has officially got its very own vaccine lottery. Woo! Woo! Legs 11 or however they call out the lottery now. I don't know. <laughs> um, <laughs> and it has been organized from a group called the Million Dollar Vax Alliance. Mm. And I'm just keep, I keep thinking of Million Dollar Baby whenever I read it. Um, and this has been set up by a group that describes themselves as generous. And I'm like, yeah, all right, fair enough. Yep. You do seem pretty generous. Okay. And it's a collect <laughs> it's a collection of philanthropists and corporations, basically whose aim, like, you know, uh, a lot of proponents is to accelerate Australia's COVID-19 vaccine program. And um, in all, there is a pretty massive prize pool. It comes to $4.1 million worth of prizes, which is considerable and it's spread mm. out. Um, it's comprised of, one sort of like mega cash prize that's $1 million, so massive. Mega prize. And then mega prize. And then 100 uh, gift card prizes worth $1,000 each. So that's pretty cool. Um, and if you're interested in 
getting getting in on the action potentially and it is all just you know down to chances to who's selected there's no skill involved <laughs> um all you really need is to um, be vaccinated for starters so it's open to people who are already fully vaccinated and i'm like tick i mean um or who have received their first jab and will be fully vaccinated by december 13th so there's some date stuff in there so you might want to be looking at i mean i think most of the vaccines now the time between jabs is less than that time would be mm. right yeah anyway hopefully everyone qualifies um and if you are one of the chosen few you'll of course need to uh, prove that you are vaccinated or are soon to be vaccinated and that'll be through the like the medicare app or the site or through through my guard that's how all that works hopefully everyone knows where to find that um the competition is already open. It's already happened. Started this week on October 1st. Last week. This week? That was last week. Anyway, um, so you can get in right now. And then entries close on the 31st of October. But I was looking into the details of like how the winners are drawn. Mm. And it's actually like it's a little bit complicated. It's not just all happening at the end. But um, so the 100 gift cards that are worth $1,000 each, they're, the winners are drawn each day of this month of October and like the competition, the, all the other people in the pool are all the other folks who applied on that particular day. So I was sort of thinking like maybe you want to choose your day strategically <laughs> as to when you go into the lottery. That was you know what Patricia I mean? Claire was saying the same thing, right? You've got, you've got to be very strategic <laughs> with this and, and find a day where you think other people aren't going to be put in their Yeah, I was in. like on a Monday, is anyone thinking of um, applying for the lottery? I don't know. I don't know if there's a formula. I'm so sure that someone out there has one. But um, yeah, uh, could be could be a thing to think about. And the gift cards themselves, I was trying to find out exactly what they can buy you. And I found, I read somewhere, I think it was on Yahoo Finance. I couldn't seem to see it anywhere else in like the terms and conditions. Their ultimate e-gift cards, I've never heard of it, but it's like just seems to be across a huge bunch of stores from like home home decor, fashion, sporting tech, toy stores, all that kind of stuff. Brilliant. And so I was thinking, yeah, it kind of seems perfect for Christmas time. It's all hey, kind of going to happen totally. around then. Yeah. And then, of course, the massive $1 million prize, um, that's going to be drawn at the end, which will be on November 5. That'll be announced. So that's a little bit exciting mm. stuff happening. Um, so what does it mean for everyone out there is that um, – Go get vaccinated if you haven't already, if you want to join the lottery. Yes. Because it's a thing. And, um, you know, aside from doing your societal duty and, you know, keeping yourself and people around you safe, yeah, you get the bonus of potentially winning some monies or just, you know, the excitement of being at a draw. I think there's something to that when they're sort of like, you know, you haven't paid anything, you just you just continue living your life in a responsible way and you get to have that little bit of yeah, uh, tension and excitement in what is sometimes a uh, boring semi-lockdown state. So I think it's pretty good. Spot on. Yeah, I, yeah. I, st I still get excited going to the little like raffles. You know, the paper raffles. Yeah, and, yeah. always. Great. Meat so, raffles. Good I've on won them. two meat raffles in my life. How hey, good's that? I've won one too. Yeah, it's very good. Oh, we're we're nice. lucky people. Blessed. Yeah, but I like. <laughs> I, I like so. it. I, I think it's. I think this is a great initiative, and um, I, you know, I, I love the fact that they went out of their way to describe themselves as, as generous. Like, <laughs> yeah, just in case implied, people didn't notice. Right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. But hey, if it uh, if it gets more people vaccinated, then uh, you can give yourselves all the plaudits and pats on the back that you want, as far as I'm concerned. 
Indeed. And speaking of applause, we always love to end the show by throwing some love around. So uh, in addition to our, our vaccine lottery folk, a big thank you to the team behind The Burrito, which is, as always, producer Claire, researcher Ella, and social media magician Rihanna. And uh, thank you to those listening out there. I reckon go get yourself a coffee. You deserve it. Get it while it's hot, and we'll see you next week. Indeedy. See you, guys. Bye. Just remember, as Mozo writers, we're providing general financial product information. So we're not taking into account your specific financial situation, needs, or personal objectives. We are not recommending any specific product to you. The best advice we can give is for you to make your own financial decisions and seek out independent advice. This podcast was brought to you by mozo.com.au.